Welcome to the program, listeners. Tyler Friel with you on WISR 680 AM, 107.5 FM. Great to have you with us on today's edition of Let's Talk. Of course, a half hour where we sit down and chat with various businesses, organizations, nonprofits, and more. And today we welcome back Tom Verostic of Q3 Capital Management. Tom joins us inside the studio. Tom, as always, good to see you. Welcome back. You too, Tyler. Thanks for having me. As always on Let's Talk, we like to remind our listeners of the variety of ways that they can listen to the program, of course, on on the air at 680 AM 107.5 FM. You can also stream us online, WISR680.com, and download the WISR mobile app. You can also go back and re-listen to the program on our website, and you can also now follow Let's Talk on Spotify. Just search for WISR Let's Talk, and you'll be able to find today's program and all the conversations we've had with Tom and Q3 Capital Management there. But once again, Tom Verostic, Q3 Capital Management, he is our a guest today. And Tom, I was uh, really excited to see you on the calendar this week for the show because it felt very timely uh, mm-hmm. with some of the stock market news that we've seen uh, really here early on in the first part of 2024. So maybe we'll rehash a little bit of that, but also try to set the table best we can uh, for 2024 mm-hmm. uh, as well. So let's go back to last week, if you will, uh, and where have the markets finished off and, and where are we right now currently as we set the table here early in 2024? Yeah, uh, and, and and it's funny you ask that because uh, there's a, an old saying: as January goes, so does the year. Mm. Um, and so we've we've been anticipating, you know, what uh, what barometer of Jan- January might bring to us here. Uh, and you know, really, until last week, the, there was sort of a sideways churn, uh, indecisiveness in the market. Um, and it looked it, honestly, it's had a nice rally since no, you know November. One, I think, was where the kind of the summer sell-off finished. Um, so since, you know, the, last week we had a, we had basically a little bit of a breakthrough um, you know, on the market, uh, just just getting above the, the all-time highs that we had. So that was the end of 2021, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting break. I call it breakout. I don't want to say breakout because the market is truly – by some technical indicators, overbought. It's it's really lofty here. You know, buyer beware. I, th- I, th- I think there's a lot of FOMO going on. Fear of missing <laughs> out. Um, but yeah, w- there was a surprise a sort of breakthrough that that uh, that resistance level uh, that's been hanging around for a couple of years. So, from that standpoint, I guess it's it looks positive. Um, the fact that there there is sort of that bullish break breakthrough. However, again, it's uh, by many measures, and I'm hearing this from a lot of different uh, folks that I pay attention to, um, that uh, you know the market's a good bit over overpriced right now. So, if you want to just uh, explain that a little bit more for listeners, when you say overbought, overpriced, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, I mean when you, when you get into overbought, there's some indicators like relative strength index, um, uh, moving average convergence, divergence. These are technical indicators. Uh, but also you can get into some things like price to earnings ratio, um, which is a, a, just a, a way of valuing um, a company and, and then collectively all the companies in the S&P 500, right? Mm-hmm. So when, when the, the PE, so that's kind of the simplistic way of measuring it. Um, I find the technical indicators have a better, um, more real-time type thing. In other words, you can be at a high PE for months on end and 
you know, really not shows anything it, coming through. It's, it's not triggering anything necessarily. Yeah. It's just basically saying, hey, it's expensive. But that's a relative thing. If you have a PE of 20, it's expensive. If it's a PE of 23, it's still expensive, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you're on the technology side, it tends that those numbers tend to be even more, you know, uh, inflated as far as, you know, what can be. Uh, so you can, you can go from over, uh, overbought or expensive to more expensive uh, on the PE ratio. So it's not necessarily going to give you anything other than the fact that, you know, warning, warning, warning. Uh, whereas the technical indicators t tend to have um, some what we call divergence. So as, you know, let's say the market's going up, but let's say the relative strength starts to drop. That's a divergence. So it's sort of indicating that, that, that uh, it's kind of running out of juice, you know, running out of steam as far as upward, upward possibilities. And I've uh, been seeing that recently, especially in the last week. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm cautious uh, in terms of where we are. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I even looked at this over the last month, full, full month versus year to date. And despite, you know, having a nice little bump last week, Market's up one and a half percent year to date, and 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 over even you know going back four weeks. So am I going to get excited about one and a half percent? Am I going to get concerned I'm missing something if I'm not in all in? Um, you know, right now we're a bit cautious, so we're not you know we're not all in. But um, yeah, there's there's reason to be concerned. Um, certainly the the condition of the market as far as the technical indicators should should bring some caution that to gives it. you pause yes no. yeah now looking at some other things um and this is really getting into the weeds so you know bear with me <laughs> <laughs> but they're they, they are all connected in the end you come full circle uh you know back to you know the market every single day in my in my belief is every single day the market bakes in all the news Whatever it's, it settles at, whatever it's worth, whatever the price is, it's baking in all the news. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, there's, there's news every single day. And I think it's impossible to, to process all that news, you know, even, even with the greatest AI out there. I'm not sure you can necessarily process the news. However, there are some things out there that are pretty helpful besides, you know, these technical indicators, like the conference board. Um, and it just came out with the leading, the LEI, which is a leading, as opposed to la lagging, leading economic index. Um, and these are, there's 10 components. Um, and it basically, they're trying to anticipate turning points in the business cycle. Okay. Generally seven months in advance, which is kind of remarkable. You don't really see that. I mean, even, even the stock market, they say, tends to look ahead six months. So, so this is one month better, I guess you might say, <laughs> right? 10 components. Um, and, uh, you know, these are, these are, one of them actually is the stock market. So that's one component, but other things like, um, the ISM, which is the purchasers and, uh, managers index. So getting into what, what businesses are paying for and buying demand, etc. Um, so, you know, it's, this, this actually has a pretty good track record. Um, basically, the line in the sand is a, a basically a negative five. So at a negative five and lower is kind of the tipping point on this particular index. On this scale? Okay. Yes. So, 
And the only other three times in the past 25 years uh, that it was negative five was 2001, 2008, and 2020. Right? And then there, there's now. So right now, it's been hovering around minus eight. Um, and uh, so therefore, the, you know, basically, the, the conference board is simply saying, okay, this, this, this recession that we've been all expecting for, what, now maybe two, two years, years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looks to be you know, on, on the immediate horizon, probably second quarter, maybe third quarter of this year, uh, that we could see a mild recession. Um, so from that standpoint, I guess, in my view, we've been waiting for this for, you know, let's get it over with, right? Let's get there and, and deal with it. Um, and I think the, I think the fed, from their standpoint, why would they lower interest rates if, if everything's moving along nicely, right? Typically they come in and lower rates when, when the economy needs a push, needs a little, you know, a little jump start. Send in the right direction. Yes, yeah. right. So there, there's nothing to indicate that the economy is faltering right now, and therefore they're, they're, they have no incentive to come in and lower interest rates. Everybody's clamoring for lower interest rates. It is, it is quite remarkable, I have to say, with interest rates as high as we have right now, that, that our economy is actually still plugging along. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of uncomfortableness out there particularly for the consumer. Um, but at the same time, the higher interest rates has cooled the demand. And, and it definitely needed to be, you know, cooled after all the stimulus that was thrown during COVID uh, from, you know, free money to cheap money. And, uh, you know, but right now, you know, 30-year mortgage rate average, 7.5%, pretty high. Um, surprised that you know, people are you know considering buying. Still. I actually saw a report. I think twenty twenty three was the lowest home buyer, mm. lowest mortgage in the last thirty years, or something like that. Mm. Which again makes sense. Sure, you know, trying to yeah. coincide it with high interest rates. Yeah, yeah, and yet I don't think prices in real estate necessarily have come down. No, it's an odd paradigm. Right. This right. whole past two years, you <laughs> can find every data point that you think you know, and then all of a sudden, there's a counterpoint to it that makes no sense. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. It's it's uh, interesting to navigate through these kind of waters because it is it is very unusual and, and a lot of the way things are lining up right now uh, we just haven't seen in it, some time. Is that maybe one of the bets too that the LEI is making is that just things have been so atypical for the last two years that eventually the theories and understandings that we have of data points and everything like that should eventually get us to that mild recession point. Well, I mean, they're, they're, I don't know if they're necessarily saying that because okay. they, they, they're, they're pretty quantitative, I should say. We're looking know? at these numbers. 10 and numbers, they tell us exactly. Okay. Yeah, there, there's 10 components and, and, and there's not a lot of speculation. Correct. To it. Okay. Yeah, yep. So, yeah, that, that's, uh, but you're, you're right. They're, you know, like, for instance, yeah, comparing that to, say, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, what is it? The sentiment and investor sentiment, you know, okay. when investor sentiment becomes bullish, you know, a higher percentage of people, you know, let's say 49% of people are very bullish. That's considered very bullish and contrarian. So, mm -hmm. so how do you, like, how do you measure that? Right. It's what, what's, what do you mean contrarian? Well, it's when everyone thinks the market can continue to go up 
then you should have this expectation that no, it's, it won't. It's, it's yeah. probably going to go the other way. Exactly. <laughs> and, and when people are really bearish and negative and, and, you know, again, that's probably a, a good sign that, Hey, especially if there's been a market sell-off and usually the two accompany each other, mm-hmm. that's usually another contrarian that it's not going to get on much further. It's probably going to go up. In. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like just another gauge that, that investors can use. And, and it's a question of, you know, how, how quantitative is it? Or is it just more of a, like the contrarian is almost like a, a fil- not, it's not philosophical, but it's, it's, it's almost, it's contrarian. And yeah. There's nothing to it. The trend can't continue forever is kind yeah. of the way I yeah, yeah. It, right. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I kind of look, yeah, there's a lot of ways to like peel back that onion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the other one I've, I've thought of is when everyone is bullish, the, that means that, you know, the last buyers put their money on the table, yeah. <laughs> the very top of the pile, <laughs> right before it falls. Right. Yeah. Because uh, like if you're not, in, you know, if everyone's feeling really good, that means everybody's in. Yeah. There's no more buyers. And likewise, when everybody's feeling terrible and, you know, just disdain for the market and it's going down further, chances are if you've, you've gotten out, mm-hmm. <laughs> if yeah. you're feeling that way, right? You've already sold. So the last seller, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, way, a good way to interpret those things. But yeah, I think this this LEI, I mean, given that they do, this, this kind of line in the sand doesn't get crossed very frequently, you're only talking about three other times except for this past six months, you know, I would say, again, we'll know in, in six to seven months. from. Is from there now. anything we can do to prevent it? And I, I say we collectively as a as an economy or when all these data points are baked in, is that pretty much just we're set in stone and this is going to happen? Well, I, th- I think that the, the, the people, the folks that have the biggest lever to pull mm-hmm. in terms of con- making a difference or changing is the fed okay. for sure they control the price of money which you know if you can control, control the price the par- price of borrowing um you have a lot of control you have a lot of control <laughs> yeah so but but they're actually i'll you know kind of get into that like mm-hmm. why why would they right now because it was very clear two years ago they were about a year late in, in raising interest rates you know we we saw inflation we saw gas prices going up we knew you know, everybody was feeling inflation and, and they, they really waited too long to get ahead of this thing. And so right now I think they're, they're being cautious saying, you know, we need to have a good reason to lower rates because right now the economy isn't crashing. The stock market's not crashing. And so overall, you know, price stability exists. Yeah. So, sort of second to inflation control is price stability. That's what the Fed's uh, goals, things things to monitor and maintain. So yeah, they, you know, right. So right now, uh, here, December consumer price index, all items were 3.4% last 12 months. You know, it's not 2% where they want to be, but it's certainly a lot. What was better. that number? Two year a year ago, I think two we got close ago? to nine. That's what I remember it yeah. being. Yeah, eight, nine, something like Around that. Around May, June of twenty two. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and and again uh, here in the the other one, which is um, all items minus food and energy, convenient. I wish <laughs> the I could two things exclude. that I need most. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the Fed loves that one, I guess, because they it takes some of the volatility out. But um, yeah, 
I've never understood oh, that. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I pay for gas. I buy groceries. I said, those are the two things yes. that I see the most volatility on. But either way, the number. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, energy is usually the, 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 the little you know impetus for inflation, right? You, you yeah. Because that, that if you have higher prices of, of producing things, of, of transporting them, and then, of course, you know, the consumer in, in terms of their getting around. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a key component of every, every, every part of the economy uh, and definitely usually a, a shock to the energy supply and prices. Oh, and we saw that yeah. uh, after the war in Ukraine, gas yep. prices shot up yep. and that means everything just went up. But in, in the same thing in the you know, 70s and 80s. Yeah. Same thing. So, so yeah, right now inflation has come down. It's at least reasonable. You know, the thing about that, though, that again, convenient. I'm going to say another thing that, that it's convenient to say, oh, it's come down. And, oh, boy, we got to watch, you know, when we're going, we don't want to see any negative inflation. I'm thinking, no, actually, that would be a good thing because prices still remain high. They're mm-hmm. elevated for, for, for everybody. So it's not like we've had, a, like, a reset on this. It's just that the, the, the marginal rate of cost increases have come down. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it's still on top of a higher number. Whatever it was four inflated. or five years ago. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's something that, that, you know, as I'm sitting here saying, yeah, it's come down. It's really looking good. Uh, I, I'm not sugarcoating this. This but is not a good thing. It, still where we are. It just out of curiosity, I mean, can that number, I don't know, pick whatever commodity you want. Could those numbers ever come down? Because it feels like since 2020, wages have gone up. Energy costs have gone up. Is it hard to see some of these things that, you know, we were used to paying whatever five bucks for that are now eight dollars? It, could that number ever change? Well, I think that's what a recession can do, okay. um, for sure. A recession um, is a, is a kind of a, a step back overall in the economy, um, and even you know we we saw it. Um, look, you know the, the the pandemic, right? Oil prices plummeted, um, gas prices plummeted, and yeah, things were for a brief period more affordable. Yeah. Right. So you just have to be, obviously the, again, goes back to price stability. The fed doesn't want, you know, us going into a depression because that's in effect what, what happens in a depression is prices just keep going down. And you, you never hear this, but because it hasn't happened since, you know, the great depression, but in a true depression setting, the consumer stops buying. You know why? Because why buy something this week when they when they get the feeling that next week it's going to be cheaper? Yeah. Right? So demand is withheld by the consumer. Yeah. yeah. So if it gets into the consumer's mindset of waiting, then demand continues to be suppressed and, and you really get stuck in a, in a deep depression. I, I'm not, we're not going there. I don't see that. I don't see that in any of the numbers and in, in any mm-hmm. indicators. I'm just saying that that is, that's where you truly see it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But we haven't seen that. And um, it would be good to see just a little disinflation, though. That's basically where I'm, you know, I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. I think that would be good overall. But again, you got to be careful. If the Fed lowers rates too soon, then then that could be the the impetus for reignition of inflation. And and inflation can come come back in waves. We saw again saw that in the in you know seventy four to eighty two, it, it it didn't all happen, and, and then just went away forever. It kind of came and then little ebb and subside exactly yeah. so 
but you know, last year, interesting. Um, you know, the highest increases were motor vehicle uh, insurance up 26% and non-prescription drug, drugs up 8.3. Shelter, third place, up 6.2. The, but we did have a few decreases. Airline fares, minus 9.4. Um, utility, like gas. Um, Actually went down. Minus 13.8. Yep. F- same thing. Fuel oil, 14.7. The, the, the most decrease, you'll never guess it, eggs. Eggs were down 23%. Feel bad for the farmers <laughs> if you're an egg farmer. but uh, Is that year over year? Yes. Okay. Yep. So you, you, you do have indivi- individual components here that uh, have come down, but you've all, we've also seen, uh, I guess, that, that motor. So it wasn't That's my imagination. Then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense because I would bet my monthly bill is yeah. probably along that 26% increase. Yeah, and I thought it was just because they're spending all this money on commercials. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, it's another, another day. <laughs> That's another show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taking a look, though, at 2024, you mentioned this briefly, you know, a lot of people may have this historical expectation of presidential election year could be volatile. What could we have that expectation for here? Or is this just going to be a little bit different? How do you view how a presidential election year factors into to the market? Yeah, I mean, historically, um, a lot of people think uh, that a, an election year particular presidential as opposed to the midterm. The, the, the presidential election year is, is a volatile one, negative one. And um, the, st- the statistics actually show kind of a two-faced type of a year. You have, a, you have some challenges historically in the, the first half, let's say. I'm, I'm rounding there. Uh, but, uh, and then the second half surprisingly is, is, is decent, um, with a, a little blip there, you know, leading, you know, a couple of weeks leading up to the election. Um, and we definitely have seen this just, to, just the last two elections. If you think about it, taking again, politics out of it, you know, the last two elections were very tight, you know, say mid year mm-hmm. and yet mid year, you started to see the market perk up and, and move along without any election results. Uh, or any clue, you know, a definitive winner. Um, so, you know, again, I, I, I don't know how you how you break that down in terms of why that happens, you know. But I, th- I would say, given what I've just said about you know the the leading in, in indicators projecting, uh, uh, you know, perhaps they're, they're in effect saying we think there will be a negative GDP come second quarter, third quarter. You know, I'd say the second quarter. You know, we've had a you know, the market's held up here in December. I'd say, you know, from here on out, given an overbought market with, you know, historical seasonal cycle that is on the horizon, yeah, I would expect we probably see some volatility in the next three, four, or five months. That's that's kind of a, you know, easy Wouldn't it be to say. unusual, yeah. It wouldn't be unusual. Thank yeah. you. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without me making any predictions, it wouldn't be unusual. It's always a good way to head you back, you know. Thanks, Tyler. (laughs) Again, our guest, Tom Verostic, Q3 Capital Management. When you're taking a look at maybe, you know, as you mentioned, the the market bakes all the news in. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there is a lot of things outside of America that can have an influence Mm -hmm. on where the market is. Is there anything that you're looking at uh, across the globe that you think could 
play a role into where we'll be economically this year. Yeah, you know, this is something that is not um, you're not hearing a lot about, but um, for sure. And and again, this happened. Um, you know, we can go back to 19 late 70s. Let's just say early, maybe just tipping into the first year of the 80s. But but we're foreign governments wanted to have it was in effect some economic warfare right uh back then it was opec and you know affecting oil prices um and i think now in a similar manner not necessarily that but but uh you know some of my readings i've come across some treasuries not being the demand not being there for some certain parts of the world in other words they're intentionally not buying treasuries and if they're not buying our treasuries, that means the 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 bidding or the the price demand is not there, which can affect your yield or your interest rates. It can affect your interest rates. So, thing that I've been watching, and in effect, uh, you know, if you if you didn't notice this, but there, there definitely is is reason for for I guess a connection from from July twenty seventh last year, so basically midsummer until the end of October the S&P 500 went into a correction. It had a 10% pullback. All the while, the 10-year Treasury was going up. It was climbing. Matter of fact, it reached a, a high of basically 5%. And, uh, you know, in July, it was at 3.83. So that's, you know, a significant increase for three months for the 10-year the Treasury. Now, it has since pulled back to basically where it was in July. And, um, and, and, seems to have found some footing in the floor. I guess my point is that if if foreign governments want to influence our interest rates, they can just by backing They have up. that power. Yes. It, it appears so. Let's just say that. Because there is a huge amount of buyers out there outside the United States by foreign governments. And so, you know, I can't I can't give you the, the, the real-time you know, numbers on this, but definitely uh, I've, in my readings come across some some of that, and you have to believe in this environment. There's a lot of a lot of global friction going on um, that could have some inf influence. So, yeah, I'd say if you keep an eye on the 10-year Treasury and the Treasury can, you know, s basically gets back over say four and a half percent, I think that's pretty close to a, a threshold, sort of steering towards maybe another climb. And if that climb occurs, yeah, it, it, it the market pays attention to interest rates because, mm -hmm. again, the cost of money. And and the 10-year is not necessarily influenced as much as the Fed because the Fed is, again, it's, overnight money. It seems the number, anytime you see a major market reaction, it was based, especially in the last two years, based off a decision by the Fed. Correct. So yes. it wasn't necessarily tied to the 10-year. Uh, the 10-year, which yeah. is basically traded every day, and the Fed really has no influence on except for the fact that maybe you know the Fed has done some Buying of its buying of treasuries. of its own, yeah. right, <laughs> right. So basically, trying to offset some of those um, you know, lower demand uh, uh, occurrences in the market. So yeah, you're right. It's the Fed has a very big lever, lever but it doesn't it doesn't have all of them. And the lever, yeah, yeah. So exactly. So that's that's what one I'm watching just to kind of. And again, I think all these things are aligning. Yeah. Um, so if you could pull this all together. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> uh, you know, what? What? how are all these going to be at play? You know, if, if you were to be able to take all these factors and say, this is what 
a takeaway for a listener could be, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's always um, uh, the exception. There's things that, you know, you can't predict and thing, things can happen. So uh, there's our caveat. You know, we, <laughs> we, we, we don't, we don't predict if, the future. If we had a crystal ball, yes. we probably wouldn't be working. That's right, yes. <laughs> but uh, it, it certainly makes it interesting in terms of all of these, all of these data points. And, uh, you know, so if I were put it, to put it all together – Given the current environment, given these leading indicators and where interest rates are, you know, I would say, okay, t- the ten-year has should have a tendency to to creep higher, stocks creep lower. Um, we go into a mild recession, GDP is slightly negative for a quarter. Um, add some uncertainty of say primaries in the spring here. Um, the other wild card is the you know real estate and, and banks. Mm-hmm. You know, is there something lurking out there? I don't know. Hearing whispers, um, I'm really surprised that hasn't happened already. Again, just because of the speculation that's gone on in that sector. I'm talking more residential, gotcha. uh, but certainly commercial, especially office space, has been been challenged. Um, but there's other parts in there that have been very very good, and 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 the and the pros have been. Uh, very surgical in terms of positioning that kind of stuff. Um, so it's not all it's not all in question, but I think there's some things out there that could be. Um, that's I think a wild card. But generally speaking, we should see a little volatility to who knows, mm-hmm. to, you know how how to that extent. But you know, likely we you know the, again the market and the economy ten, seems to be on solid ground right now, and. Um, Barring some other surprises, you know, later in the year we'll probably have a, again, we'll probably align with what history has has shown, and that is a pretty decent uh, finish to the year. Tom Verosta, Q3 Capital Management. Real quick, contact information for Q3 Capital Management. Yeah, I mean, nowadays the best way is uh, email, tom at q3capital.net. So tom at q3capital.net. Q like Quebec, the number three capital.net. Uh, I'd say that's the best way. Awesome. Yeah. Tom Verosta, Q3 Capital Management. Tom, as always, great to have you here. Thank you, Tyler. If you missed any of our program, as always, you can check it out online, WISR680.com. I'm Tyler Frill saying so long for now. Do not rely on the contents of this discussion for making investment decisions. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor.